I'm Kara, and welcome to Soul Inspiring Business. I believe that all of us possess unique gifts and talents that allow us to serve the world and our own growth in the highest possible way. Our lives are an expression of our thoughts, beliefs, and actions. And here, we will explore businesses, thought leaders, and topics designed to inspire, helping propel your own growth so you can live your best and most purposeful life. Welcome to Soul Inspiring Business. Welcome. Today's episode is about how to keep your business on track when you're feeling knocked down. This topic is always relevant because in business, there's bound to be obstacles and challenges that can limit growth. But especially now with COVID-19, there's even more fear and uncertainty, and it may be causing you to feel uncertain about next steps, perhaps even stalling you into inaction or causing you to wonder what are the best next steps forward. Well, even with these unknowns, I think that this is also a time that can hold opportunity, growth, and insight, especially when we're open to seeing our business and life through that lens. Now, that's why I've invited Josh Long, owner of Bottleneck Breakthrough Group, to talk to us today. Josh helps B2B business owners find the single biggest challenge that stops their business from growing in order to unlock growth and create profits that last. He is a sought-after business strategist and leader, has a fantastic book entitled Bottleneck Breakthrough, How to Find and Fix Your Number One Business Challenge to Unlock Sustainable Growth Fast, and that can be found on Amazon. He just created his own podcast entitled The Bottleneck Breakthrough Podcast, and I highly recommend you check that out. And what I love most about Josh is that he's very real, grounded, and insightful. This episode was actually recorded back in the beginning of April, when we were still in the middle of a lot of COVID lockdowns, so you will hear some references to that. And although it was several months ago, Josh's insights are relevant. They apply to whatever obstacles may be in your way, whether it's COVID or something else. And I find that Josh is really rooted and grounded in helping people navigate through uncertainty. So you'll hear him share some of his own story and hardships, how he got through it, And he'll also share some great resources and thought leaders, some that were definitely new to me. I'm looking forward to sharing this episode with you, and it starts now. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks, Kara. Happy to be here. Yeah, you know, Josh and I have had the pleasure of meeting through a mastermind group we're a part of, so we saw each other last night on Zoom. (laughs) And uh, I always look forward to his insights and his perspective, so thrilled to have you here today. Uh, Thanks, yeah. Yeah. And Josh, you know, you're really a master at discovering bottlenecks in businesses and helping companies see their way through to massive levels of growth. Um, Even more importantly, you know, also helping them see a bigger vision for their life while building uh, and experiencing that growth. So, you know, before we get started, can you just tell us a little bit more about you, your background, and really how you were called to serve in this way and to this type of work? Yeah, it's a great way to frame it. Uh, it is almost like a calling, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I didn't grow up saying, oh, I want to be a consultant to small businesses when I grow up. I, uh, I thought I was going to be a race car driver like every little aggressive boy out there. <laughs> um, but I, I got started in my entrepreneurial path 
um, out of grad school, I got an MBA in entrepreneurship of all things while I was waiting to get into med school thinking I wanted to be a surgeon. And oh, interesting. So I always enjoyed helping people. I worked in an ER, did patient care for a couple of years while I was in college and grad school and really loved it. But I saw a lot of transition in the medical community. Um, I had 42 med school applications out. I met my wife while we were, while I was applying mm -hmm. and every doctor I knew that was married before med school wasn't married after med school. Uh, mm -hmm. So I thankfully had a friend um, whose dad was a neurosurgeon and retiring and went to him for advice. And he says, yeah, medicine's not what it was uh, when I got into it. And you'll probably enjoy business uh, much more. And so I went down that path and started a mortgage brokerage, like half of California uh, during <laughs> a credit, credit run up and right. uh, learned a lot, learned a lot of what I, I didn't um, know. And got close to a lot of thought leaders in the small business marketing and management space um, and worked closely with them over the years. And then when my mortgage brokerage went down in a ball of flames at 29 years old and my daughter was a week old when we met with our bankruptcy attorney, oh, goodness. got, a, got a, a good hard, hard lesson on um, surviving in small business and went and worked for uh, a guy named Chet Holmes, who I looked up to at the time and became his marketing director for a couple of years with Tony Robbins and just started meeting everybody in the space with Jay Abraham. And I'd worked with Dane Kennedy and a lot of name dropping of old guys that a lot of people have looked up to over the years. But mm -hmm. the biggest benefit for me was just running hard and fast and working closely with these guys. And so I had started seeing patterns in businesses that I just wasn't seeing anybody else talk about. And so I, and I realized that if I could solve the next bottleneck in my mortgage brokerage at the time that growth happened. And um, so I, I just developed this framework I called the bottleneck theory. And I knew I didn't invent anything, but that's just the way my brain saw it. And then mm -hmm. I was teaching at Fresno state uh, where I got my MBA. I was teaching after my mortgage brokerage went down, I was teaching business plan writing. And one of my students gave me the book, the goal by Eli Goldratt, who was the father of um, uh, what's theory of constraints and just-in-time manufacturing through the 70s and 80s. And I was like, okay, this is bottleneck theory. This is solving the next friction point in the manufacturing process. But I was using the pers perspective of bottlenecks to solving just all small business problems. Mm -hmm. And so after working for Chet for a couple of years, I went out and hung my own shingle and have been doing consulting since about 2010 and have seen a lot of um, patterns, a lot of things work and not work, but more importantly, realizing that business, marriage, and parenting are kind of the best crucibles to draw out the best of us. They put more pressure on us. They squeeze more of the ugly inside out or put stress on the limiting beliefs or the emotional traumas we deal with. Mm -hmm. And so that has, is why you and I have crossed paths because that mm -hmm. I realized is the most valuable and most powerful lever to pull in any business owner's life is dealing with that internal stuff. And mm -hmm. so it, I get to play both sides that I get to deal with the strategies and the tactics of how to unlock growth on the practical side, dealing with bottlenecks, dealing with management, dealing with systems and marketing and that stuff. But then ultimately I, I believe that every business grows to the limit of its owner's mindset. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's this fun stuff for me that when I get to help an owner look at some conflict they've got in their business or some hard decision and work down into the root belief that was 
programmed in them because all of our beliefs come from development and programming. Sure. Um, whether our parents or family or kids or whatever we deal with in life, the traumas that we can get to these beliefs that aren't serving them and start unlocking them and free them of it because it not just helps them deal with that conflict in their business, but then all of a sudden now they have better uh, family life. They have better relationships. They have more peace inside. They have less dark days. And right. to me, that's the joy. Like that's the fun stuff that, um, that I, I just really love being able to help business owners with. Yeah. No, I love that. I mean, you're only going to grow as much as you believe you can, you mm -hmm. know? And so, um, that's, you know, mindset is really at the key of it all. Um, so thank you for that. I actually didn't know that you were almost going to be a doctor. So. Yeah. I sat in on surgeries. I, wow. I was going to be an orthopedist and, um, yeah, it, it, uh, I really enjoyed patient care, enjoyed surgery. Um, I, yeah, it, it was, it was a fulfilling thing and I'm, I've never looked back. Um, I don't have any judgment of the medical community. Mm -hmm. I just think that it's gotten harder and harder over the last 20 years mm -hmm. since I was applying to go through it. And yeah. um, a good friend of mine, he was two years ahead of me in the process. We studied for the medical college admissions test together the first time. And he's an ER doc now up in Northern California and has a great life. And um, I got to watch him go through that journey, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have uh, the family I have today if I'd gone that path and everybody's journey is different and unique and I'm grateful for mine. And yeah, so I've, got, I've got three kids currently that are eight, 10 and 12 and they, <laughs> they wouldn't be around in that capacity if I had gone that path. That's right. Well, and I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but I actually um, went through a period where I wasn't um, a medical uh, work or wasn't a doctor, but I did start a master's program in social work. So kind of mm -hmm. a similar, you know, mm -hmm. helping people was thinking I wanted to do counseling. And now of course, in my real estate uh, background, I counsel people all day long, you know, just in right. a you just level get paid of better for it. Than <laughs> a social right. worker. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And, yeah. and my sister's a, a marriage and family therapist. And, um, we've talked about this a lot. Like, what is it about both of our paths that she and I both essentially counsel people all day. Like I counsel business owners with hard decisions and yeah. um, making hard choices. I just got off a call with a guy that I said, you got to downsize, you got to cut back and you got to change your pricing model because the market's not responding to it right now. Mm -hmm. And that's not fun when you care yeah. for the people that work for you and um, the stress that comes out and, and the loathing and the re, um, guilt or the woulda, coulda, shouldas that, I should have known better. I should have seen this coming. And especially mm. with this coronavirus stuff, it's, it's going to have a huge ripple effect in the economy for a long time. And mm -hmm. it's affecting so many small mom and pops that are just not going to be able to recover from it, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, you know, there are so many that are really discouraged right now and feeling kind of like they've been, you know, kicked down. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, what are you seeing? What, what are some of the first questions you're asking the business owners you serve to help them think through their best next step? Yeah. So uh, I think there's about three tiers of businesses affected in the small business world. Mm -hmm. um, the first and most severe one are the local food service um, and gathering places. So whether it's bars, restaurants, gyms, um, small retail, all of those are essentially closed. And mm -hmm. without knowing what 
the long-term forgiveness situations are going to be around um, utilities, rent, payroll, payroll taxes. Um, I don't know how many of them will rebound, um, what appetite there will be for those businesses. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those owners, I'm advising that they have to cut all costs as much as possible, um, stop making payments on things um, as much as possible. It's kind of like what I went through in bankruptcy with the mortgage brokerage. I chased for too many months, good money after bad, um, Mm. trying to keep it alive, not realizing it was just the very beginning of the end. And so that's where a lot of small business owners don't realize that if they get two months in a row that they're coming out of pocket to keep the business, to pay some expenses or keep the business open, that's a huge red flag. Mm. Uh, and, and too many small business owners stay too committed to writing it out, staying optimistic. Um, and I'm not being, saying being a cynic or that the sky's falling. It's just these are extreme situations. You have to take extreme measures to preserve your capital and preserve your family's stability as much as possible. Got it. Um, So so on that tier one, that's what I'm just advising is uh, move hard, move fast, pull the ripcord quickly. And, Mm -hmm. um, and and, because otherwise you're just going to be pouring money down a hole that we don't know where it's going to turn. We don't have any idea. I mean, Trump just came out and asked everybody to, shut down through April 30th. And I think it was like Ohio said they've put a June 15th or something mandate um, mm-hmm. that, that they want everybody on lockdown. So it's just too much unknown. There's no sense uh, spending money into this abyss right. for those businesses. Right. And there's the second tier businesses, right. That are starting to feel um, the pinch that the secondary wave uh, so obviously those guys have to uh, cut back proactively on their overhead um, mm-hmm. and preserve cash and just be as flexible as possible. I've got a client, they do um, landscape and lawn care and uh, they're about a million and million four in business last year. And, and they, we went through the analysis and they haven't had a big spike of cancellations yet. Mm-hmm. Um, their season's just getting started. They're up in a Northern state. And um, so the weather's just turning, but, they we did the math and they saw that they could they could have a five hundred thousand dollar decrease in revenue mm. and still be profitable as long as they're managing their team and overhead properly because mm. it's a labor based business so there's so much flexibility on cost of fulfillment mm-hmm. so it's just being nimble in that situation and then for businesses who maybe aren't affected or growing. Mm-hmm because there's an initial wave of interest, a lot of digital services, whether it's like Zoom, obviously they're publicly traded, but uh, companies where they are getting more interest now because people are shifting or have more time or getting to things is to be cautious about that bump, Um, increase some capacity, increase some support, but don't go increase overhead significantly or fixed overhead that can't be ratcheted back because if we get to three months down the road and the economy still hasn't been turned uh, opened back up, there's going to be a lot of people with less cash in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so that initial interest might be, might not be sustainable. And again, I'm not being cynical. It's just practical of saying monitor week by week, 
what changes, what activities are happening. And I, I use this statement a lot that contingency planning is just a lot of if this, then that. So if we get a bunch of new clients, if we get a 20% increase in leads, then we need to take these two people and add their hours, give them some overtime for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. But then if we get to the end of the month and that lead flow is dropped back down, then we need to ratchet those two people back to more standard time. Mm -hmm. um, but it's literally week by week right now is mm -hmm. the only thing because there is zero certainty other than we'll get through this at some point and us entrepreneurs will always figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, that's the only certainty I have. But all the interim stuff of speculating on what the governments are going to do, what this virus is going to do, um, I, I don't know. My only hypothesis, the only marker I'm paying attention to is if death rates drop and treatments, there's some solution that reduces the mortality rate of it, mm -hmm. and I think the pandemic's over. Um, then it's just like any other flu or bug or whatever, um, mm -hmm. making sure that treatments are available. But until that comes across, we're all kind of in limbo. Right. Yeah. Well, and I guess, you know, you had mentioned, and you and I both believe this very strongly, that it is about your mindset, right? And so mm -hmm. how are you advising the business owners that you're working with to stay positive? You know, how do you, what yeah, are you well, helping them with on the mindset perspective? Yeah. So it's walking through the fear and the paralysis that so many react to, I did it myself about three weeks ago. I had to delete Facebook from mm -hmm. my phone because I was just like, man, this is just like watching the news. This is turning into fear mongering and opinion and flame arguments and stuff. And so I, I had to just cut that out and realize, okay, the, I, the negative inputs are, are not helpful. So that's step one. Um, step two is the paralysis that comes in because business is not as usual for so many of my clients. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people enjoy routine and enjoy knowing what they've got to do and doing it well. And even some small business owners are like that structure. And so helping them step back. And like I said, the guy I just got off the phone with is, is I said, you just lost another client. And the last new client you got for your agency was how long ago? And he says, September. Like, okay, that should have been a red flag that your offer is not being picked up. You have to innovate. You have to change what you're offering. Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot of uncertainty around, well, I don't know what they want. Well, it's like, start experimenting, start asking what if, start making offers that you're uncertain if you can fulfill on but are still in the ballpark of your sweet spot, right? Right. That, that's the solution to all of this is innovation. Peter Drucker is one of my favorite thinkers in the business world. He was the father of modern management and wrote 50 plus books on it. And he said that the, the purpose of a business is to create a customer. And to get that customer, you create an innovation and then you market that innovation that's it. Mm. There's yeah. every, and he says everything else is a cost. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if you're not, if your customers are going away, pausing, freezing, and you're uncertain what to do, the only answer is to innovate. Go back to what got you into the business in the first place was mm -hmm. you saw a need, you figured it out, you found out how to fulfill on it and you marketed that need. 
And I know this seems like really basic stuff and I'm not trying to belittle anybody listening to this, but this is the kind of stuff that I keep coming back to with my clients. It's like, okay, yes, you have to downsize. You have to deal with these financial constraints, but you can't just keep trying to make the same offer or try harder making the same offer. Mm-hmm. If the market's not responding, you have to change. You have to innovate. Yeah. You know, um, there's a, I was reminded of this book called, have you ever read the book Broken Open? How Difficult mm-hmm. Times Help Us Grow? Mm-mm. It's um, by Elizabeth Lesser. It's actually not a business book, but it kind of came up the other day and I was thinking about it. And it basically is, it tells the tale of how difficulties that you face in life um, can break you open. Mm. And basically you're then presented with two choices. You can either be defeated Mm -hmm. or you can open up to even a further possibility or further growth. Mm -hmm. And so you know, and that I think in many ways is what's going on for a lot of people right now. We're all kind of being broken open because mm-hmm. this is, I mean, nobody ever really anticipated um, the coronavirus and it impacting the world and our business in this way. Mm-hmm. I know there had been talk to some degree of, you know, we can't keep expanding as an economy forever. There must be some type of recession. But in terms of it being something like this, I don't think anybody envisioned that. No, I mean, um, there's a few out, outlandish preppers that'll take credit for saying they stuff stuff like this. But for the rest of us, no, this was yeah. not, not foreseen and this was not um, anticipated. And so, okay. yeah, and the, and the broken open argument I think is, is, is great that we get so comfortable. And I, I, I use the term, we get fat and happy that mm-hmm. we're on easy street. It's easy to make sales. It's easy to get money. It's easy during the, the good times and the expansion. And, um, it, it, what this forces us is to essentially get lean again, um, be nimble, uh, stop making assumptions and start experimenting more uh, across the board, like thinking of all the just dif- typical day-to-day um, comforts that we've gotten used to that I know the toilet paper shortage is hilarious and bizarre and a funny <laughs> sociological psychology experiment. All right. Um, but just even adapting to that without freaking out. I mean, we joke, I live in Hawaii, everybody around here jokes, just go grab some banana leaves if you run out of toilet paper. But <laughs> I mean, honestly, like the, we, we lived for uh, however long you want to view his, the history of man, we lived for quite a while without toilet paper. Sure. Um, so <laughs> I'm sure we'll, fi- we'll survive and we can adapt just fine to not having toilet paper. So what are the other things that this perspective of being broken open can help with? And And to me, it's the fears that come up that I, again, making it simple, we're either operating out of fear or love Mm -hmm. and all of this stuff is triggering all those fears, whether it's the evolutionary reptilian self-preservation at the basal level or uh, our rooted beliefs that get programmed in us that um, there's never enough and we, there's life sucks and then you die. And those types of beliefs that are rooted out of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so what are the opportunities to work through that? And I know it's harder, um, to tackle now than ever, but, um, to me, those are the kind of the gifts of, of this process of how do I surrender to this and how do I, what do I really believe at the end of the day when it comes to my well being or my family's well being or, 
our existence as humans on this spinning ball through a vast expanse. Yeah, no, no, that's, I mean, it, it's interesting for me. Um, it's also just, I mean, it's simple things. It's being able to spend more time with my family and having mm-hmm. like dinner with my family, which sometimes, you know, I'm hustling and running to a meeting and running here. And, and so that part of it has been really nice to, to think even when this passes, like what kind of things do I want to continue to do and to incorporate into yeah. our family life? Um, you know, on the, on the client side, thinking of how to serve people in a new way, you know, how mm-hmm. do people, how can we speak to people in a different way? Um, how can we stay connected? You know, I think that, uh, I think there's one thing that all as humans, I mean, we need connection with others. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, how do we reach people? How do we stay connected? How do we serve people in a really high way? So, well, and I think, yeah, I think that so many businesses have survived off of just being in proximity to their customers that, mm-hmm. I mean, I deal with a lot of B2B companies that go to trade shows and they are at a trade show, they go by a booth, they meet somebody, they have a meeting and then they're like, Hey, let's go get dinner tonight. And then they're out having dinner, dropping hundreds of dollars on meals and wine and using kind of that social lubricant to get deals done. And and that's how so much of business is still done. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Mm-hmm. I think the relationships are great. I think there's definitely dysfunctional sides of all of it, but the, how do you, how do you transition into that now? And when people don't want to be on video because they, their house is a mess or their office is a mess or, or they don't feel comfortable talking on the phone and, um, so h- how do you break through the technological barrier to keep building rapport and relationship when th- maybe you're just more, more comfortable being in person and being in, pr- in their presence? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of things that we're going to get to experiment with going forward that um, I like, I, I, I don't want to be a cynic and say it's all going to end up like Wally where we're all in a spaceship cruising around cause we torched the earth and we're all sitting in, um, little rovers that let us not have to work out or be physical anymore. Um, (laughs) But for a lot of people, this is going to be a big interrupt on what their norm is of how they relate to their customers or relate to their, their peers or their network Um, that for whatever reason, I don't know what the ramifications are of social distancing. Right. I don't Mm -hmm. know how long, our government's going to require that, or if people are finally going to get fed up with it and say, you know, I'm willing to take the risk. I, I'd rather be in community and close to people and, and have that relationship than worry about uh, getting the virus or whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what, I know you um, had mentioned that again, as you think as mindset and cultivating a really positive mindset. I mean, what are the specific strategies that you do? I'm curious, do you have some type of routine or things you mentioned shutting off social media and shutting down the news, but <laughs> that's just survival. <laughs> but uh, Yeah. <laughs> and I'm with you there. I mean, I've even got groups of friends sometimes that, you know, it just kind of goes down a negative path and I just mm. can't allow myself to go there, you know? So I distance myself from those conversations because I, I can't stay in that space, but you know, what, is, do you have your own practice or something that you do that helps you stay centered and helps you um, yeah. get further insight into your business? Yeah. So it's, it's a combination of things. Um, 
I sucked at meditating for so long because my brain would never shut off. Uh, <laughs> just the crazy roommate up there going nuts all the time. And I've realized as I've gotten healed really of limiting beliefs and emotional traumas over the years that that noise has gone down a lot in my head. Mm -hmm. um, and so I worked with a guy named Justin Fairman who uh, his focus is on flow mastery, like getting in, living in a state of flow at all times. And I started working with him in 2015 and he's got some techniques to clear limiting beliefs uh, really quickly that have been really effective for me. And then also process or eliminate emotional traumas um, that are also effective. And so I've gone through, I don't know, a couple hundred limiting beliefs and probably 50 emotional trauma clearings over the years of just using the technique myself. Mm -hmm. And that is almost like rewiring my operating system in a sense. Yeah. Um, and it, to me, it's kind of like um, the, removing the anchors that cause us to our um, boat to not float real well, that it, it, our natural state unencumbered from bad programming or emotional traumas is to be um, pretty fast, floaty, free moving boats that can zoom around and uh, beliefs and traumas are anchors that just that get embedded in us at a young age. And I think it's just part of the human journey as to survive childhood and get healed from it in adulthood. Mm -hmm. um, in essence. And so the more I've removed those, the freer my life's gotten. And then meditation is easier, um, to reset. And another one that, and what was his name again? I was Justin, just... Justin Fairman, F A E R M A N. And his website is flow mastery.com. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And he's just fantastic guy. His partner, Jackie, she and I get along. She's a super extrovert. We love hanging out and can talk till the cows come home. Mm -hmm. um, but they both have really invested in the last decade in helping people unlock getting into a state of flow and living there because their philosophy is that our inspired state and our highest and best is, will always lead us to great outcomes. And I think Michael Singer in his book, uh, The Surrender Experiment is a great example of that. Mm -hmm. um, and I love his book um, so much. I can't remember the title of it. <laughs> um, I'll think of it in a second, but his, his other book, uh, I'll, I'll look it up while we're talking. Um, but the surrender experiment, uh, untethered soul, that's it. So the untethered soul is oh, another yes, great book. I love that book. And so, but the surrender experiment going along with staying in flow is like, and I've got enough experience in my life that as I surrender to what I would call my inner quiet voice or my higher self, whatever it is, um, it, it's like magic happens. And yeah. I'm a, I'm a bull in a China shop. Most of the time I'm six, one, 250 pounds. I've got tree trunk legs. I'm built to carry heavy loads <laughs> by nature. <laughs> I've got a thick forehead and uh, broad shoulders and I can run through lots of walls but that's a liability actually for me because I tried that for so long and I just get burned out. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason in my life path, muscling through never ends up working out long-term, mm -hmm. but staying in flow and surrendering to the journey 
always works out. And yeah. so filing bankruptcy when meeting with my bankruptcy attorney, when my firstborn was a week old at 29 kind of forced me to surrender because I, I didn't have any answers. And I thought I had to prove that I was a capable entrepreneur and had an MBA in entrepreneurship and gave up med school to be a business owner and all these things. It was a great journey into getting healed around all this stuff because I worked my brains out and I put on a bunch of weight and lost my hair through my twenties from the stress of it and mm. then got to file bankruptcy. And right when we're bringing a child into the world, when you're supposed to be financially stable and all these things that wow. the shoulds that are put on us. Right. Yeah. And so really spending my thirties getting healed and feeling more balanced and, and more whole, I think going back to your question of what do I do? to um, stay centered. Uh, I, I think those are all of all of it that and, and there's a guy Naval Ravikant. He's a great Silicon Valley entrepreneur. They call him the what do they call him? I think the Yoda of Silicon Valley or something like that. Um, Zen master of Silicon Valley. He's he has a great line that he says a, a busy calendar and a busy mind will prevent you from doing great things. Mm, and so true that's another one for me. Like if I stay really busy and I work a lot, I tend to get frazzled and I don't have space to reset space to get perspective. And so to me, that's where meditation is so valuable for me now that I've gotten a lot of this head trash sorted out that the minute I can sit down and quiet myself, I mean, five minutes and I can, I can be recalibrated. No problem from a big, catastrophe or headache or whatever, maybe a half an hour, but yeah. it's not, it, it's not kicking me sideways and a tailspin for days on end like it used to. Yeah. Well, I love that you say that. I mean, I know for me that having gone through a journey myself and healed a lot of past wounds and, um, you know, and I practice a morning routine that I think I'm actually going to do an, a podcast episode on, but it getting still is just has had the biggest impact for me. Like having mm -hmm. a time that I can truly devote to um, stillness and to allowing insights to flow in because that's when, like when you're talking about being in flow, it's in the stillness. It's in those moments that the, that you'll get insights into where you're meant to be or what you're mm -hmm. able to do next. But if you continue just kind of Oh, I've got to get here. I've got to get there. You know, like wake up and you're already on your phone and you're, you know, and we all get caught into it. But um, when you can kind of force yourself to maybe get in a habit of not getting to your phone first thing in the morning or, you know, and having space and time to allow things to naturally come in, I think that's when for me, I've noticed that I'm the, I'm the most successful in my life in all areas of my life when I devote time to that practice. 100%. And I think the one challenge for most people going into that path is when they've got massive insecurity, lack of self-love, uncertainty of their worth, that they can get that sanity and then get that space. But then the minute they get back into the world of the day-to-day -day and the noise, then it kind of flies out the window. And I think that's why a lot of people, just be my guess as to why a lot of people don't stick with mindfulness or making space or meditation mm -hmm. because they feel so good in the moment, but the minute reality smacks them in the face, 
all of their fears, wounds, traumas get triggered and they go back to second guessing everything and never feeling comfortable taking the next step. And Mm -hmm. so to me, that's why when I have a client that I I make a recommendation or we do something novel, like, Hey, we're going to mail this letter to these hundred prospects that are big business owners or huge um, potential prospects. And then the client's like, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. And then we go to mail it and then they're like, no, let's change it. Let's do this. Let's do this. And they start second guessing. And then it's like, oh, there's some belief in here that they're not good enough. They're not worthy. And they start mm-hmm. second guessing everything. And that's just another tool for me to use of saying, hey, let's deal with this fear first because muscling through it or the minute something goes sideways, you're going to blame me for it. And mm-hmm. it, or I don't even know if this is going to work. We just got to get it out. Let's do it. And why are you so worried about the blowback? And Right. The self-sabotage. Because, self-sabotage yeah. because of that uncertainty, that lack of self-love, that lack of understanding your worth, um, fearing everybody else's judgment of you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, those are just such common problems that we all suffer from. And um, I'm not immune to it by any means, but it's way better than it's ever been. Yeah. And it's helped me feel more comfortable just stepping out and making offers and trying things and, and, uh, not worrying about the blowback as much. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, and I, I so appreciate, you know, all of your insights. Um, is there any final thoughts that you have for us before we wrap up? Any final yeah. Thoughts? I mean, I think the, the, the journey for me that really was the tipping point was realizing when I've got some negative pattern, some behavior, some root that is being pulled out in my life, not running away from it and realizing that. And now I run into those because I realize the sooner I can get those resolved, the more freedom there is on the backside of it. And so it's that self-awareness. It's that realizing, okay, this this pattern keeps repeating itself. I'm the only common factor um, in it, (laughs) that there's gotta be something in me creating this. So what can I do to face that and, and resolve it? And like I said, for me using tools like Justin's belief reprogramming and emotional trauma release exercises has been a huge, huge asset in that journey for me, but there's a million modalities. It's just finding something that works to help you get to that. Um, and be able to pull those roots. That's the only way I could describe it of just these dysfunctional roots inside of us that need to be pulled out and replaced. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's, it's, this may sound arrogant. It's, it's not, it's just trying to inspire that. I, I just find so few people willing to lean into that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And when I find them, they become my best friends because we get to <laughs> talk about this stuff all the time. And, keep challenging each other and keep pushing each other to be like, Oh yeah. Wow. I realized I keep getting into this argument with my wife about that. Oh, what do you think's there? I don't know. Well, let's get to it. Oh, yep. I'm an asshole. Let me change that or whatever. It's just um, those basic things that uh, we, if, as we stay aware, we can, our life can get a lot better really fast. I think that's a, that's really a great way to end it too, because I think that as many people right now are broken open into that Mm -hmm. space. I mean, that's really great advice um, for helping them. And I can't wait to look at um, Justin Fairman's 
website and go to Yeah, and I think well. tackling so, one thing at a time, I think that's the other part. So many of us get so excited, like, oh yeah, I'm going to take cold showers and I'm going to be more considerate to my kids and I'm going to do this to my spouse and I'm going to do this with my, like, that's the entrepreneurial ADHD kind of mindset that kicks right. in. And, and so I, I just look at tackling it one at a time um, mm-hmm. because the compound results. And again, this is part of my bottleneck breakthrough approach with businesses. If we tackle one major bottleneck at a time, the results compound and grow and it's the same in our lives. And it doesn't matter how long it takes it's just as long as we keep moving in that direction. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much My for pleasure. being this here today. Fun. This was a lot of fun. I learned so much from uh, listening to you. Uh, and one final thought for us all, you know, we've all heard the saying, the one thing that's constant in is change. Um, but in every situation, we're given a choice by how we respond to that change. And so we can choose to feel helpless and defeated, or we can choose to learn, grow, and deepen our perspective and insight and allow that insight to take us into bigger possibilities. So with that, I wish you all a blessed day and that you choose the path of possibility. Thanks for listening. I'm Kara, and you've been listening to Soul Inspiring Business. If you found this helpful, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And if you feel so bold, share with others as well. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to growing together.